Welcome to the Randy Report. I'm Randy Slavacic, your host. It's almost the end of 2016, which means tonight is my episode to look back and share with you what I think was the best in terms of LGBT entertainment. We're going to be talking about my top five LGBT films, my top five songs by LGBT musicians, and more. So hang on, because it's going to be that kind of night. Hey, it's a take it easy, slow ride. Everything is all right. It's a roll down your window. Night moves on the radio. Kind of night, kind of night. It's a you and I here and now. Reckless in a hometown. Kind of night, kind of night. It's all ours, baby. It's our time. Hey, it's a take it easy, slow ride. Everything is alright. High on us, kind of night. Hey, it's a chase away the sunrise. Hold on to the moonlight. Kiss you about a thousand times. Kind of night. It's a drive through the desert. Stars go on forever. Kind of night. It's a beautiful getaway Saying everything we want to say Kind of night, kind of night It's all ours, baby It's our time Hey, it's a take it easy, slow ride Everything is alright High on us, kind of night Chase away the sunrise, hold up to the moonlight, kiss you about a thousand times, kind of night. And we are off and running with the Randy Report's Best of LGBT Entertainment from the year 2016. That was That Kind of Night by out-country singer Ty Herndon which was the first single from his latest studio album, House on Fire, which he released in November of this year. House on Fire marks his first album release since coming out as a gay man in November 2014. Speaking to Rolling Stone magazine, Herndon said that this album was a new education for me, for my future, investing in my life as a songwriter and a producer, and getting outside of my comfort zone. And Lord knows I got outside of my comfort zone when I came out, but I came outside of my comfort zone to move into a life of pure authenticity. And that was most important to me. I really liked the song from the minute I heard it. I like the construction of the song. I think it's very well produced. And Ty Herndon's vocals have never been better. The song just feels like a Saturday night. It feels like a Saturday night that you're going to go out and have fun. And speaking of having fun, let me just describe to you what this show is for me. I'm not technically a film critic, I'm not technically a music critic, but I have been in entertainment as an actor and a director and a singer and a choreographer for almost 40 years. And so what I'm going to share with you tonight are songs and films and other forms of LGBT entertainment this year that affected me, that gave me a visceral response that I enjoyed, or I felt that I really got what the creators were trying to say. 
I'm only going to give you top fives. Yes, we don't do top tens here because we'll be here all night. So sit back as I share with you from my pop culture point of view, my favorite LGBT-themed or LGBT-created entertainment from 2016. Moving to my top five LGBT movies of 2016, there's no way I couldn't start with the independent film that's run away with audiences and is sure to be racking up awards this award season, Moonlight. Moonlight is a coming-of-age film about a gay black youth growing up in the Liberty City neighborhood of Miami, which was affected by crack cocaine and the AIDS epidemic in the 1980s. The young man in, in the film struggles with the boys at school who incessantly bully him, but he also has to deal at home with a drug-addicted mother and coming to terms with his own attraction to men. The New York Times wrote of the film, To describe Moonlight as a movie about growing up poor, black, and gay would be accurate enough. It would also not be wrong to call it a movie about drug abuse, mass incarceration, and school violence. But those classifications are also inadequate, so much as to be downright misleading. It would be truer to the mood and spirit of this breathtaking film to say that it's about teaching a child to swim, about cooking a meal for an old friend, about the feeling of sand on skin and the sound of waves on a darkened beach, about first kisses and lingering regrets. Based on the play In Moonlight Black Boys Look Blue by Terrell Alvin McRaney, Moonlight is both a disarmingly, at times almost unbearably, personal film and an urgent social document, a hard look at American reality and a poem written in light, music, and vivid human faces. And the LA Times wrote, Moonlight is magic, so intimate you feel like you're trespassing on its characters' souls, so transcendent it's made visual and emotional poetry out of intensely painful experience. It's a film that manages to be both achingly familiar and unlike anything we've seen before. I was almost numb watching the film in the theater myself. There were so many moments that I could mention, but I don't want to ruin it for you. I will let you know that the film is constructed in three acts, following three separate episodes in the young man's life, from a youngster to a teenager to a young adult male. I can't recommend the film enough. It is powerful, it's impactful, and it's rare that black gay men get this kind of screen portrayal. The kind that shows them with haunting and joyful complexity and receives glowing reviews from top critics. And a lot of its power comes from the fact that it is done with so much simplicity. There aren't any visual tricks here. There's just beautiful cinematography and excellent storytelling. Often the most impactful moments are the quietest. This is easily the must-see LGBT movie of the year. It's just been nominated for six Independent Spirit Awards, six Golden Globe nominations, and three SAG awards. Go see this film. The second film I want to tell you about just finished its ride on the film festival circuit and will be released early in January. The title of the film is Retape and stars Tuck Watkins and Devin Gray. Here's a synopsis of the film. When handsome businessman Jonathan picks up a nameless rent boy off the streets of San Francisco, he senses that they may have some sort of connection and he hires him for the next two days to travel with him to the Grand Canyon. He offers to pay him well on the condition that he role plays with him, follows every single instruction, and never asks any personal questions in return. With Jonathan insisting in providing him with very particular dated clothes to wear and recording the entire journey on a vintage Polaroid camera, it actually doesn't take too long for Brandon to start to piece together some of the parts of the puzzle. 
He realizes that his benefactor is simply trying to relive a past relationship or romance, but it takes him a little while longer to figure out why. There's always this overwhelming feeling that once the mystery will be uncovered, that there will be a crime or a death included that will add a whole new layer to the piece. Beyond the sexual chemistry, which is present from the very first meeting of the two men, they develop feelings beyond the roles that they're playing, despite the fact that Jonathan seems to do everything he can to resist the younger man's charms. Both men are clearly bearing the scars of their own past hurts, which are revealed in some of the temper tantrums they both have when things are not panning out exactly as Jonathan plans. Serious kudos to the director for an imaginative vision of one man's attempt to deal with the loss of his May-December relationship that he simply cannot move on from, until he learns to finally enjoy the present. I really enjoyed the film. Both lead actors give taut, tight, understated performances that contribute to a sense of suspense and tension throughout the film. It opens in Los Angeles on January 6th, and you'll be able to find it on Video On Demand and other digital download sites on January 10th. Time for more music. The second song I'm going to share with you from my top five original LGBT songs is by international recording artist and out-singer-songwriter Jeb Havens, a big favorite on my daily blog, therandyreport.com. His music is a blend of catchy pop and raw emotional therapy. His YouTube channel, featuring his popular closet covers, has over 650,000 views and has captured the attention of Reddit, BuzzFeed, and the TV show Right This Minute. Earlier this year in February, he dropped his first solo album, Home Base, produced by Grammy Award-winning producer Andy Zula. The album ranges from rocking wake-up-in-the-morning up-tempos to sensitive and personally driven ballads. I'm such a fan of Jeb and this entire project. In my house, you always know when I find something I really, really like because I play it on repeat for two or three days. Just ask my husband. I force myself to pick only one song from the album, and this song is Close Love. Just 
next entry in my top five LGBT movies of 2016 is Other People, written directed by Chris Kelly and starring Molly Shannon and Jesse Plemons. In the film, a struggling young comedy writer, fresh from breaking up with his boyfriend, moves to Sacramento to help his sick mother, played by Molly Shannon. Living with his conservative father and younger sisters, David feels like a stranger in his childhood home. As his mother worsens, he tries to convince everyone, including himself, that he's doing okay. Nervous about the possibility of connecting with others and determined to maintain as steady a front as possible for his family's sake, David is soon headed for a complete meltdown. And as acted by Plemons, he inhabits that downward spiral with a sense of modulation that justifies the climactic histrionics at the end of the film. It's always refreshing to see an LGBT character played with endearing normal guy awkwardness, which is what Plemons delivers. I really love the movie. It's available now. I recommend it highly. Switching it up, let's pivot to the best in representation of LGBTs on television in the year 2016, because there was a lot to really be excited about. Some of my favorite series on TV this year were ABC's The Real O'Neills, the continuing saga of Modern Family, RuPaul won an Emmy Award for Best Reality Host for RuPaul's Drag Race, Hairspray Live, just about the gayest thing you could imagine in all its fabulousness, got great reviews, the upcoming CBS All Access series, which will stream online, Star Trek Discovery, announced that Broadway's Rent alum, Anthony Rapp will be the franchise's first gay-from-the-get-go character. And we continue to see unabashed and unfiltered gay relationships on MTV's Teen Wolf. I'm a huge fan, although I have learned that this is going to be its last season. Yes, I will cry. Serious wolf tears. HBO's Looking, which was a big hit with me, got its closure TV movie, and it hit all the right notes. During the election... We got to see a mini-reunion with the cast of Will & Grace. The Rocky Horror Picture Show got the TV presentation treatment with transgender actress Laverne Cox as Dr. Frankenfurter. 
And Orange is the New Black on Netflix, Transgender on Amazon, and The Fosters on ABC Family Now Freeform continued to dazzle with awesome realness and authenticity. And my favorite thing on TV this year representing LGBTs was the incredibly sexy, hot, sexually fluid deaf model Niall DeMarco, who won both America's Next Top Model and Dancing with the Stars, winning all our hearts. Next up on my list of best LGBT music from 2016 comes from Tegan and Sarah, Canada's identical lesbian pop duo, who this year gave us their latest album, Love You to Death. One of the first singles was Boyfriend, which evolved from a real-life dating situation Sarah had experienced. Here's what Billboard had to say about the song. The track's a stadium-shaking hand clapper from the twin duo's forthcoming album, Love You to Death. Sarah Quinn spoke to DJ Matt Wilkinson about the song, explaining the story behind the song. Quinn was stuck in a love triangle with a woman who hadn't dated another woman before and was still seeing a man at the time. Said Quinn of the song, I think that's pretty relatable. Obviously, being gay, there's sort of a bit of a gender twist in the song, and I get that that sometimes doesn't seem immediately relatable to everyone, whether they're straight or whatever. But this idea... You know that we've all been in that situation where we really like someone and we want to make it official and they're not ready. That's what the song's really about. I like the song from the get-go. I love the 80s vibe, the electropop groove. I thought it was really fun, which is what Tegan and Sarah really deliver. Take a listen to Tegan and Sarah's Boyfriend. This particular game I need to know the rules If you want me to play
Next up in my top songs by LGBT artists, I have to mention, this was at the top of my list all year long, David Hernandez's song, Beautiful. The American Idol Season 7 alum dropped his fabulous single this year, and in an exclusive interview with Out, he says the theme of the track is to remind folks that they're beautiful just as they are. If you're missing a leg, you're still beautiful. If you're overweight, you're still beautiful. If you are 75 years old, you're still beautiful, Hernandez says. In 2008, Hernandez made it onto the reality competition series American Idol, landing in the top 12 before being eliminated. Rumors, however, quickly started circulating about the real reason Hernandez was sent home. Viewers bombarded Hernandez with comments about his past as a male stripper and soon questioned his sexuality, wondering if it influenced his exit from Idol. Hernandez has said members of the show were fully aware of his past from the very beginning, but still, the media was relentless. As he said, it was hard to go online and not read something negative about myself. People were more interested in rumors and scandals than the music. Though Hernandez now believes that he has the strength and self-confidence to handle a lot of backlash, his younger self did not. And the idle drama took a toll on himself and his family. As he shared, my dad still knew nothing about my sexuality or my profession. So when it's plastered all over CNN, that's not how somebody really wants to go down. I played this song over and over and over throughout 2016. The song is eminently listenable. It's got a sexy tribal drum beat with tons of visual diversity lighting up the screen, making this a big vocally bold anthem for celebrating all dimensions of ethnicity, sexuality, age, and whatever flavor you can think of. I love this. I think it's one of the great contributions in terms of pop music for 2016. This is David Hernandez beautiful. The stars are in the sky and they're starting to align. I see you passing by and we're slowing down the time. Now my love is flashing by. All I see is flashing lights cause you're right here by my side. Can you feel it come alive? If this were a love song would you be mine? Cause I just can't get you off of my mind. And I think about you all day and night So I wrote you a love song, wrote you a love song Baby, you're beautiful I think you're beautiful So damn incredible, so unforgettable Yeah, I think you're
films to round out my top five in LGBT films of 2016. The first being First Girl I Loved. The film won an audience award at Sundance for its casual treatment of a girl crush and the selfish asshole who gets in the way. A synopsis of the film reads, Young love is complicated, especially when you're queer. First Girl I Loved lays bare these complications through the eyes of Anne, a 17-year-old girl who falls for a popular high school girl, Sasha. She divulges her crush to her best friend, Clifton, who unbeknownst to Anne has been harboring his own crush for her. When Anne confides in her best friend, he rapes her, calls her a dyke, and continues to lash out as the two girls grow increasingly closer. Running through a narrative of relative innocence is a deeper one of consent an issue that rarely finds itself played out on film. This is definitely one high school movie that won't bang you over the head with cliches or stereotypes, but despite its heavy content, First Girl I Loved is much more sweet than sour. It's obviously going to be compared to 2013's Blue is the Warmest Color, but it doesn't need to be because the film succeeds at reimagining a straight-heavy genre with chemistry and intelligence. My final Best of 2016 LGBT film may not find its way on many Best of lists, but I enjoyed it, and so I'm including it here purely because it was just a lot of fun. James Franco and Christian Slater starred in this year's King Cobra. And what made the movie fun was the fact that it refused to apologize for what it was. It had over-the-top acting, campy lines, but you take it at its face value. It's at times salacious, lurid, over-the-top, and gay, gay, gay. Of course, yes, it's somewhat shallow, but it's always entertaining the entire way through. Writer-director Justin Kelly, who also directed I Am Michael, creates a very kind of dense, over-the-top psychodrama here, and your enjoyment of it depends entirely on your ability to just accept it for its audaciousness and silliness. I think it's pulpy good times. The performances across the board are uniformly strong. We get to see Alicia Silverstone and Molly Ringwald in supporting roles. And the film captures a touching feeling of loneliness. And on the flip side, a kind of frantic, frenetic feeling that you just might not have enough money to live on. Who can't relate to that? In the long run, the enjoyment of the film really depends on not taking it too seriously. It's a small, creepy look at two trains hurtling towards each other, and you spend most of the time waiting for the big crash to happen. 
Christian Slater delivers a strong performance as a lonely, closeted, insecure film producer who sees dollar bills in his new star that he discovers for the porn world. It's the early 2000s, and porn has found a cozy spot on the internet. Christian Slater's character takes in Sean, played by a doe-eyed, faux-innocent Garrett Clayton, who becomes his business and sexual partner. In a short amount of time, Sean becomes a rising star in the world of porn under the name Brent Corrigan. The relationship works for a while, and Stephen is raking in cash. But being a rising star, Sean eventually wants a bigger piece of the pie. Being a controlling producer, Stephen doesn't want to pay Sean what he's worth. Meanwhile, a rival company, headed by James Franco's Joe, takes note of Corgan's fame and wants to lure him away. The most fun I had with the film is the fact that James Franco's character Joe is completely unhinged as a psychopath, and he has his own budding porn star under his wing, Harlow. Finding themselves in deep debt, Joe and Harlow decide that they need to get Sean to make a movie with Harlow, and they'll all be rich. And then complications set in. Along the way, Christian Slater delivers a sad and touching portrayal of a complicated man who covets his star but fails to recognize the contributions he's made to his own success. And James Franco, true to his work ethic, turns in an unabashed, throw-caution-to-the-wind performance, which is over-the-top, fun, and he exhibits a lot of zeal in not only his campy lines, but also in his gay sex scenes. What's not to like? At the end of it all, you have to just enjoy the film for what it is, a juicy piece of pulp fiction and strong performances by James Franco and Christian Slater. I had a lot of fun with it, and I think one day it's going to turn into one of those cult films that everybody enjoys, like Showgirls. With its goofy rhythms, it's a film that ultimately becomes a guilty pleasure. While I didn't find five specifically LGBT-themed musicals on Broadway this year to talk about, three definitely deserve my mention here on this show. The first being Dear Evan Hansen, which is recently transferred from off-Broadway to Broadway. The musical gives us a lonely teenager who inadvertently becomes a social media sensation and a symbol of the kindness that is often cruelly absent in high school hallways. The catalyst for the story is a troubled teenage boy's suicide whose sexuality is left undefined. Ben Platt, in the leading role, gives a genuine game-changing performance as a relatable outsider, Evan Hansen, who finds sudden purpose and social media stardom after telling a snowballed lie about his dead classmate. Although the leading role is not specifically LGBT, I think there's a lot of members of the LGBT community out there who can relate to the outsider status and finally being discovered by the world within their high school as embraceable. Next up, Lincoln Center Theater's fine revival of the 1992 musical Falsettos is pretty awesome and has a lot to sing about. Once innovative, but now imperative, the masterwork stars charmer Christian Borle as a neurotic man-child who, at the dawn of the AIDS epidemic, creates a non-traditional family with his ex-wife, his new boyfriend, played by Andrew Reynolds, his adolescent son, his psychiatrist, and his lesbian neighbors. As the New York Times wrote, there's hardly a moment in the exhilarating revival of falsettos that doesn't approach or even achieve perfection. This singular show about an unorthodox family grappling with the complexities of, well, 
being just a family, orthodox or otherwise, has been restored to life some 25 years after it was first produced with such vitality that it feels as fresh and startling as it did back in 1992. And finally, although it opened in 2015, I didn't get to see it until 2016, the absolutely brilliant revival of the color purple. This revival directed by John Doyle is one of the most powerful things I can honestly say I've ever seen on Broadway. The performance I saw starred the original Dreamgirl Tony Award winner Jennifer Holliday as the love machine Suge Avery, Danielle Brooks's last performance as the Earthy Sophia, and the effervescent and luminous Cynthia Erivo in the role of Miss Seeley the shamefully abused heroine of the Pulitzer Prize-winning novel by Alice Walker that began the entire story. The minimalist production maximizes the strength and beauty of Marcia Norman's book about the suffering of Miss Seeley at the hands of abusive men and the painful sacrifices she makes to protect her beloved sister Nettie. It's Erivo's haunting performance that was absolutely impacting for me. Her acts of sacrifice are made from the strength she draws for her love for Nettie. Front and center in this production is the lesbian relationship between Suge and Miss Seeley, and it's heartbreaking. The journey that Cynthia Erivo's character makes throughout the production is nothing more than transformative. And the song that Miss Seeley sings at the end of the show to let the world know that she's happy and alive at last, the show-stopping I'm Here is the pure, proud voice of Celie and Celie alone. She's the survivor of a long, hard journey up from hell, but she's home at last. I don't need you to love me. I don't need you to love I've got, I've got, I've got my sister, I can feel her now, she may not be here, but she's still mine, I know. She still loved me Got my children I can't hold them now They may not be here But they still mine I hope They know I still love them
Yes, I'm beautiful. This is absolutely must-see theater, and I urge you to do it really quickly because this amazing revival ends its run on Broadway January 8th. Do not miss it. One more song for my best of 2016, and it comes from openly bisexual recording artist Halsey, who gave us this year's Ghost. Shannon Keating at BuzzFeed recently wrote about women in music, and she included Halsey in the piece. Along the way, she wrote, her music video for Ghost is set in a dreamy but alienating Japan. Its aesthetics lifted right out of Lost in Translation. Halsey in a short blue wig rolls around on a bed with a woman played by model Courtney McCullough, who wears the same wig in pink. They're captured in their underwear in slow motion, sometimes kissing, but mostly just touching each other's bare expanses of skin. Halsey is a self-proclaimed feminist and social awareness advocate, often using her platform, music, and social media to speak up on many subjects, including her support for the LGBT community. I found her fascinating for a long time, and I like her own style of pop electro music, and I think this really speaks to me. So I'm going to close out this show with her song, Ghost. Thanks for listening to this roundup of the best of LGBT entertainment in the year 2016. And remember, you can find me every single day on the internet on my daily blog, therandyreport.com, where I cover pop culture, politics, and entertainment of interest to the LGBT community. Thanks for listening, everyone, and I'll see you in 2017. I'm searching for something that I can reach I don't like them innocent, I don't want no face fresh Want them wearing leather bag and let me be your taste test I like the sad eyes, bad guys, mouth full of white lies Kiss me in the corridor real quick to tell me goodbye You say that you're no good for me Cause I'm always tugging at you
Like 